are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. Jonah chapter number four, starting in verse one, we will read on down to the end of the chapter and the end of the book. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it so he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, or the vine. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then the Lord said, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than 120,000 people that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? It's kind of interesting. The, the book of Jonah ends with a question. It ends with, with God speaking, but it ends with a question. And we're going to look at that next week. But what we see here is an incredible story, an incredible story of Jonah, Nineveh, and God. And before we get into that today, let's just open up with a word of prayer. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you so much for this day. Lord, I pray that you move in a mighty way in the service, Lord, a mighty way in this message. Help me hide behind the cross of Christ and preach your word here, Lord. Uh, we love you so much. I pray that you help us experience your power and experience a breakthrough in our life this morning. We love you. We praise your name. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, in our message today, we are going to be dealing with the topic of emotions. We're looking at emotions today. And all throughout the book of Jonah, that's what we see. We see different types of emotions taking place. And more specifically today, though, we're not looking at all the emotions, but we're going to look at one emotion. One emotion in Jonah chapter 4. And this is an emotion that every single one of us have. This emotion has been around since the beginning of time, since the beginning of creation. It was this emotion that led Cain to kill his brother Abel back in the book of Genesis. It was this emotion that caused Moses to strike the rock instead of speaking to the rock like God had told him, which resulted in him missing out on the promised land. And it was this emotion that the prophet Jonah expressed in chapter number four after he did not get his way. And the emotion that I'm dealing with this morning is the emotion of anger. Anger in Jonah chapter four. And, and if you think about it, the Bible mentions anger a lot. 
Really, if you think about it, it seems to be one of the main themes of God's word. As we're reading and going through the Bible, we see anger again and again and again. Robert Jr. or Robert Jones actually said this concerning anger in his book, Uprooting Anger. He said, from cover to cover, in narrative and precepts, the Bible is a book about anger. Now, you wouldn't think that, but I would have to agree with that statement. From cover to cover, from start to finish, what do we see? We see these ancient Bible characters dealing with and discussing anger. Talking about the problems with anger and then seeing those problems take place in their lives. The Bible is a book about anger. But I want you to know this morning, the issue of anger is just as prevalent today as it was back in Bible times. That has not changed. It was a problem then, and it is a problem now. In fact, 84% of people believe that we are angrier as a culture now than we were a generation ago. 84% of people. You see, we live in a very angry world. Today, everywhere you look, that's what we see. We see people who are angry. Angriness and anger is everywhere. We see spouses being angry with each other. Employees are angry with their bosses. Teens are angry at their parents and vice versa. Citizens are angry with their government. And many of us, if you think about it, are even angry with ourselves. We're resentful toward ourselves and the choices that we make. We're ashamed of who we become. We are angry with ourselves. But in Jonah chapter number four, we see the worst form of anger. Because in Jonah chapter four, we see a man angry at God. We see a man named Jonah, the prophet, the prodigal, the preacher, mad at almighty God. And he wasn't just a little mad. No, he was very mad. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. He was angry with God. But not only was he angry with God, not only was he angry at God and what God did, he was actually angry about the mercy, the love, and the grace of God. And that's what's truly disheartening if you think about it. You read verse 2 of Jonah chapter 4, and he says, hey, I'm mad, God, because you're a gracious, loving, merciful God and slow to anger. Right? That's why Jonah was mad. The Ninevite people experienced revival. God uh, forgave them. God showed mercy on them. God loved them. And Jonah is over here cranky and mad and angry. And he's not mad at the Ninevites. He's not mad at himself. He's mad at almighty God. Now, I just got to say, that's weird. Right? That's crazy, especially for a pastor to be like that, right? What if I saw you guys come to repentance, believe God, accept Christ as your Savior, and I'm just sitting here just, ugh, why would, why would that happen? Why would God forgive you? That's terrible. That's weird, right? That, that, that question has been on my brain for the last couple of weeks, right? How could this prophet, how could this pastor, how could this man of God think that way? And for the last two weeks, I've been meditating on that. I've been praying about that over and over and over again, just talking to God and, and saying, God, you know, why was Jonah angry at you? Why was Jonah angry with God? And, you know, the last couple of weeks, that's what I've been doing. And, and normally when I, I meditate and I pray, I like to just pace the church. That's normally what I do. I'm a pacer. And, uh, and I, that's what I was doing this past week. 
And I, I, I was just praying about that. And it was so interesting. It was almost as if God spoke right to my heart right then. And I was just asking God, God, you know, why was, why was Jonah angry with you? Why was Jonah angry with God? And then as I was praying, it was almost as if the Lord spoke to my heart right there and pricked my conscience. Because instantly this question came to my mind. Michael, why do you get angry with God? Why do you get angry with God? Because I'm ashamed to say there have been times in my life where I've been angry with God. There have been times in my life where God didn't do what I wanted him to do, and I was angry. Times in my life where God led in another direction, and, and God didn't move in a way that I wanted or, or did something that I didn't want him to do, and, and I was mad, I was resentful, I had questions, I was irritated. I was mad at God. Michael, why do you get angry with God? You see, that's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Not, why did Jonah get angry with God? We need to ask ourselves, why do we get angry at God? That's what I did. But I want you to know this morning, I'm not alone. No, we, we all can, can get angry with God, right? The emotion of anger is a feeling that every person has. It is a, a normal, yet potentially dangerous emotion. It's normal, though. We all have it. We can all get angry from time to time, but it is dangerous to leave unresolved. And, and the reason why it's dangerous is because it has the power to ruin relationships and destroy lives. I just think throughout your life how many times anger has caused broken marriages and, and broken relationships and, and quarrels between friends, right? It can destroy your life. And when this anger is left unresolved, this emotion can result in us getting resentful toward others, us getting resentful toward ourselves, and eventually us getting resentful toward God, the God that loves us, the gracious, merciful, and loving God. That's what happens with Jonah. Jonah is mad at God, and it almost ruined his life. It ruined relationships, yes, but it almost destroyed his entire life. It is a potentially dangerous emotion. But I want to give you the good news today. All right, the bad news is it can destroy your life. The good news is we're going to deal with the topic of anger this morning so that doesn't have to happen. All right, because unresolved anger, that's where the problems come from, right? We're going to resolve anger today. We're going to deal with anger today because we all have anger in our life and God is trying to root out that anger so we can be who God called us to be. And that's what I want to deal with today. And in Jonah chapter number four, I believe we are given the tools in order to experience a breakthrough in this area. In order to overcome anger. And that's what I want to look at this morning. And for us to accomplish this today, I believe we must ask and answer three questions. All right, three questions concerning anger found in Jonah chapter number and we'll just get right into it today. The first question that we need to ask and we need to answer is this. What is anger? That's the first question today. What is anger? Now, if we want to overcome anger, we need to first understand what it is, right? What is biblical anger and what is the anger that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis? Now, it's actually pretty hard to put a finger on exactly what anger is if you think about it, right? It's hard to define, right? The, the definition of anger can be difficult, but 
Everyone's experienced it, right? We've all experienced anger before. It's hard to define, yes, but it's easy to describe, right? We know the feeling. We know what it's like to be angry. And honestly, that's ultimately what angry is. Anger is. It's a feeling. Right? It, it, it's an emotion, right? We know the feeling, and that's basically the, the definition, the idea there. It's a feeling, right? It's an emotion. It's an emotional response. That's all Anger is. The American Heritage Dictionary actually calls it a strong feeling of displeasure or hostility. In a nutshell, that's what anger is. Just a feeling, an emotional response of displeasure and hostility. You see, anger is a signal that something is uncomfortable, wrong, or undesirable. It is a feeling of intense displeasure, disdain, or discontent. I believe we've all felt like that before. We all can struggle with anger, but I want you to know today that contrary to popular belief, anger isn't necessarily a bad thing. It really isn't. Now, it isn't a good thing either. No, it's just an emotion, right? And many emotions aren't inherently good or bad. They are just emotions. You see, it's what we do with those emotions that make them good or make them bad. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, be angry and sin not. Anger, that's the emotion. Sin is the reaction to that emotion, right? Anger isn't inherently bad. It's what we do with that anger that makes it wrong. You see, we need to understand this now. Our emotions are designed to be a gift from God, right? God gave us emotions for a reason. And man, if you think about it, emotions are awesome, Right? The fact that we get to feel joy and peace and, and love. We get to know the feeling of falling in love. What? We get to have those feelings of happiness and excitement. Right? Even sometimes anger. I was thinking about this today. Uh, man, I'm happy that sometimes I get angry when Notre Dame loses. It shows them that I care, right? That passion, that anger, that's good. That's a righteous anger, by the way. Right? Getting mad about that. That's righteous. Uh, no, but, but, but emotions are great. Emotions are good. God gave them to us as a gift. But if we allow our emotions to lord over us, rather than allowing the creator of our emotions to be our Lord, that's when emotions destroy lives. That's when anger turns to sin. And that's when anger becomes resentment. Right? Letting our feelings dictate everything a part of our life, letting our emotions tell us what to do and not letting the creator of our emotions, the Lord, lead us and guide us. Because our, our feelings, our emotions can play tricks on us, right? And that's what happened with the prophet Jonah. He had anger and it turned into resentment. You see, in Jonah chapter 3, we see one of the greatest revivals of all time. Right, the entire city of Nineveh believed God. God forgave them. They came to repentance. Jonah preached a five-word sermon, and they believed. It was awesome, right? And that's how it ended in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10. It ended with revival. But once we get to verse 1 of Jonah chapter 4, we see Jonah's response to that revival. Remember now, anger is just an emotional response. We see an emotional response to the revival in verse 1. Look what he says. He says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. So revival takes place. His response is anger. His response is displeasure. He's mad. What do we see there? Jonah was allowing himself to be controlled by his emotions. That's what we see there. You say, Michael, how do you know that's the case? 
Well, based on what the Bible says in verse 1, you see, the Bible doesn't say he was displeased. No, the Bible says he was exceedingly displeased. Not just displeased, exceedingly displeased. And the Bible doesn't say he was angry. No, the Bible says he was very angry. He was letting his emotions dictate how he lived, what he said, what he thought, right? And it's interesting, that word anger in the Hebrew literally means to burn, right? So, so the idea there is Jonah was burning with anger. Jonah had a raging fire in his soul. He was fuming, right? What do we see there? He allowed his anger to go unresolved, which resulted in extreme resentment, he is resentful toward the Ninevites, and he is resentful toward God. Now, why did this happen? Right? Why, why did, did Jonah have this extreme resentment? How did Jonah allow this resentment to take root in his life? Well, it's really simple. You see, resentment is when you let your hurt become hate. That's resentment, when you let your hurt become hate. You see, Jonah's hurt from the Ninevites, eventually turned to hate. And that's ultimately what we see in the book of Jonah, from Jonah chapter 1 to Jonah chapter 4. And he had every right to be heard. I want you to know today, the Ninevites were wicked, terrible people. Jonah had every right to be heard. His family was killed. They hated the Jews. The Ninevites were awful, awful, awful people. Jonah had every single right to be hurt. But we soon find out over time that root of bitterness that root of resentment started to take hold. That anger went unresolved, and it led to hate. It led to resentment. That can happen to us. Right? Max Lucado said this on the matter. He said, resentment is when you choose not to release your hurt, but to let your hurt contain and destroy you. That's resentment. You see, eventually what is eating you starts to eat you up. That's what resentment is, right? And that resentment soon becomes revenge, and that's a raging fire that consumes you. That's that burning, fuming anger that Jonah had, right? That's what happens. Resentment leads to revenge. Anger leads to the sin of resentment. So let me ask you today, are you hurt? Did somebody do you dirty? You have every right to be hurt, 100%. But don't let that hurt become hate, because then a raging fire consumes. Right? That's what anger is, right? What is anger? It's an emotional response, but it's an emotional response that's potentially dangerous. It's just a feeling, but we can't listen to our feelings. We can't let our feelings be our Lord. Right? So that's what is anger, the first question. But the second question I want to look at today is what do we do with our anger? All right, that's question number two. Now, not what should we do with our anger. We'll get into that in a little bit. What do we do with our anger? How does this root of anger normally come out in our lives? When we're mad, when we're angry, when somebody does us dirty, how do we express that anger? Well, that's what we're going to look at in point number two. That's what we're going to focus on. Now, let me clarify today. There might be some of you this morning that are liking this message, and you're thinking to yourselves, oh, man, I hope my husband's listening to this message right now. Oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send this message to my buddy. They need this message, right? I don't really deal with anger, but, you know, but they do, and so I'm going to send them that message. I want you to know today, every single one of us deals with anger. Every single one of us today. If you don't think you have anger, I promise you you're wrong. 
right? We all have anger. I, I struggle with that. Man, there was a time in my life I didn't think I was a very angry person. I'm good, right? I'm, I'm cool. It's all good. That's always my mentality, right? But I expressed anger in different ways. My wife and I were talking about that this week. Nobody in their right mind would ever categorize my wife as an angry person. I'm being honest when I say this. I don't think I've ever heard my wife raise her voice ever, ever. You want to know what she told me this week? She said, Michael, I didn't realize this, but I'm an angry person. Because we express anger in different ways, right? Chip Ingram in his book, Overcoming Emotions That Destroy, he made a list of 50 ways we respond when we're angry. I'm not going to read all 50 today, but I'm going to read several of them. And I want you to see if you can identify with these, right? Because we all express them differently. Here's the list. You shut down. You assert power and authority. You become pushy or aggressive. You yell. You belittle. You intimidate others. You become depressed and discouraged. You isolate yourself and alienate others. You suppress your feelings. You say, I don't have them. You push them down. You throw things. You become defensive. You become prideful and arrogant. You become withdrawn. You just separate yourself from the situation. You lie or cuss. You withhold affection as a way to get back at that person for doing you wrong. You put others down. You flip the middle finger. My wife does that to me when she gets mad. I'm just kidding, she doesn't. I'm, I'm kidding. My wife said, please don't say that tomorrow. And I was like, I got to. Uh, feel shame. You feel shamed. Shamed about yourself when you're angry. You experience self-hatred. You cover up your feelings. You rationalize or justify your actions or feelings. Hey, I'm justified in feeling the way that I feel. You make excuses. You gossip to other people about the person that did you wrong. You feel self-pity. You've got this mentality, poor me, woe is me, the martyr complex. You become critical and cynical. Cynical about yourself and cynical about others. You become sarcastic. You give the silent treatment. Ever been there before? You cry. Maybe you cry when no one's looking, when nobody knows about. That's a form of anger, right? You give ultimatums, right? Do this or else. And you become selfish and self-centered. It's all about me. You don't say that on the outside, but that's the way you act. Right, let me ask you, did you find yourself in that list at all? I did. I did several times. You see, we all struggle with anger. When we get mad, we respond in different ways at different times, depending on our situation and depending on our personality. Every personality is different, right? And depending on your personality, you're going to react in different ways. You're going to engage and express your anger in different ways. But we all have anger. We all have that monster within that can destroy our lives. And that's why we got to get it resolved today. And we find out Jonah expressed his anger in a number of ways in this text. You know, Jonah had anger. Jonah was, would, would outburst at times, but, but he had many different ways of expressing this anger. And I believe that we can identify with Jonah as we see what happened. All right, so Jonah chapter 4 and verse 1, he says he's angry, right? He's very angry. He's exceedingly displeased. But look what we see in verse number 2. We find out one of the ways Jonah expressed his anger is he complained. 
he was a complainer. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before into Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So what do we see there? Verse 2, it sounds good, right? He starts off hot. He prayed. And Jonah prayed, which is good. But it was more of a complaint than a prayer. He instantly starts complaining. It's all about him, right? But understand this now. I want to clarify, complaining is okay. Did you know that? Complaining to God, hey, that's all right. That's okay. You read the scriptures, a third of the psalms are psalms of lament. They're psalms of grief. They're times where the psalmist said, God, I don't get this. God, I don't like this right now. God, I'm angry. Hey, God can handle your frankness. And God would rather you complain to him than complain to others. Right? So complaining is okay. But it's what you're complaining about that makes it wrong. What do we see? Jonah is complaining about God. He's complaining because God is a gracious, loving, merciful, awesome God. That's why he's complaining. Right? And, and what's he complaining about, really, if you think about this, though? He's complaining about something that's out of his control. He can't control the situation. He can't control the characteristics of God. He can't control who God is, right? He wanted God to do this, but God did this. He's mad about that. He's complaining because it's out of his control. And I want you to know today, normally when angry people complain, it's about something they can't control. You know, if you think about it, we are all control freaks today, right? We want it our way. And if it doesn't happen our way, man, we're going to complain. We're going to get angry, right? Same thing with God. We do that same thing. I struggle with that, man. I struggle with that with, with, with God. I struggle with that with, with other people, too. I, I complain if, if things don't go my way. I, I like things in a certain way. And if it, if, if it doesn't go that way, I complain. I get mad. Things that are out of our control. That's, that's anger, a form of anger, right? Complaining when it boils down to that. Right? Complain to God, yes. But man, know what you're complaining about. He complains. That happens a lot. That's verse 2. But, but this complaining? Complaining seems like a, a, a small sin. Right? Or a small issue. That's not too bad. I'm just complaining. I'm just expressing my frustration. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens is he complains. And this complaint led to some bold, bold claims in his life. Look what he says in verse 3 after his complaint. He says, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, I implore thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And that escalated quickly. Right, what do we see? Verse 1, he's angry. Right, he's displeased. That anger turns into a complaint, and now he's saying, kill me, God. Take my life. Kill me now. What do we see there? Jonah's making some bold claims. Right, Jonah is saying there, I would rather die then watch you forgive the Ninevite people. I would rather not kill me now. If you're going to save the Ninevites, I want to be dead. Over my dead body. That's what he's saying. Now let me ask you today, though. Do you think he really meant that? I don't think so. I was thinking about that this week. I don't think he really meant that. In his right mind, he definitely wouldn't have meant that. Right? But that's what anger does. Anger makes us say crazy things. Anger makes us think crazy things. You see, when we are angry, we think things we don't actually believe, and we say things we don't actually mean. Has that ever happened to you before? 
you get in a fight with, with your spouse and, and you, you unload, you say something that you've been you know, hiding in the back for a while. And you, you, you bring it out and you don't actually mean it, but, but it hurts. It pierces the heart. You, know? you want them to feel the way you feel, so you say that, you think that. I've been there. There's so many times where I've done that. and I, mean, I wish I could take it back. I wish I could go back and, and do it over again. What, what am I doing? I'm making bold claims. I'm just trying to hurt the other person. That's a form of anger. Someone once said, a slip of the foot you may soon recover, but a slip of the tongue you may never get over. That's what happens. We say things we don't mean. He made bold claims. He complained. But, but then, number three, and I think a lot of us tend to do this, especially a lot of us guys, right? He withdrew himself from the situation. He withdrew himself from other people. Look at, look at God's response to Jonah now, all right? Verse 3 says, take my life. Kill me now. Look at how God responds. And this is how much I love the God of love, the, the, the awesome God, the creator of the world. Look at how he responds. I just think this is so cool. Then the Lord said, doest thou well to be angry? So after Jonah's complaining, making threats, you know, basically cursing God for letting him live, God just asks Jonah a question. He didn't lecture he didn't yell. He wasn't angry at all. He just asked a question. Now, again, what, what's he doing there? He's trying to connect with Jonah. He's trying to get to the heart of the problem. He's trying to communicate and get to the root issue. He said that's what questions are for, right? Questions are meant to stir contemplation and introspection. Right, trying to connect, trying to communicate in order to get to the root problem. But notice how Jonah reacts. And what Jonah does, many of us do. Look at verse 5. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. And there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow so he might see what would become of the city. So what, what happened? God asked him a question. God's trying to get to the root problem. God's communicate with Jonah. Jonah says, I don't want to hear it. And he flees. He doesn't want to get to the root problem. Right? Because getting to the root problem is hard. Right? You ever pulled weeds before? It's difficult. Sometimes God wants to root out problems in your life, but it takes some, some hard times. It takes some communication. It takes some time. And sometimes we don't want to deal with that because it brings up past hurts that we've suppressed and, and we've put down. That's what Jonah is doing. He fled. Jonah wanted to be left alone. You ever felt like that before? Dude, again, I have, I'm, I'm preaching to myself today, man. I am. You ever had that with your spouse? Your spouse is trying to communicate. Maybe you guys have been off for a couple of weeks. And, and we're trying to get to the root problem. And, and they're trying to talk with you and, and, you know, bring these conversations out, communicate, work the situation out. And all you do is get worked up and say, I, I don't want to talk right now. I'm leaving. And you think you're doing the right thing because you don't want to freak out on her. I'm preaching to myself, man. You don't want to let loose, so you're just like, I just need to separate myself. Just let me go to bed, and we'll talk tomorrow. What am I doing? I'm withdrawing from the situation. It's a difficult conversation that we're after about to have. Communication is hard, and so I leave. Expressing anger. That's a form of anger, man. That's what Jonah's doing. God's trying to help him. God's communicating with him. God is trying to get to the root problem, and he flees. He runs. You know, sometimes we think the best thing we can do is run from our problems, but God wants us to deal with our problems. And understand this now, we can't do it alone. No, we need God in order to root out those problems in our life, and we need each other. 
We need one another, right? God did never, never intended for us to live isolated and alone, to live isolated lives, to live withdrawn lives. No, the Christian faith is a community faith, right? Where we come together as a church and we come together as a family. The term one another is used 100 times in 94 New Testament verses, indicating we need each other in the Christian life. You and I need one another. And what does it take? It takes communication, right? Communicating with one another. That's why the Bible says in James 5, 16, confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hey, if you communicate with one another, if you talk it out, talk about your faults, talk about those things that you don't want to deal with, and you guys pray about it, man, those things can get resolved. That root of bitterness can be done. That hurts can turn to help. That's the idea there. What do we do with our anger? We express it in many ways. What is anger? It's an emotional response. Number three, the last question. What should we do with our anger? All right, so, so how should we handle this anger issue? Because every single one of us have it, right? Every single one of us have anger. Every single one of us has that root of anger, right? That's our sin nature. We all have it. How do we handle it? What do we do when it comes? Well, the short answer is, let God work in your life. That's the short answer today. Let God help you root out that anger and resentment. Because again, it's not about do. We always think that. It's all about, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. Check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. I'm good. I'm a good Christian. Everything's good. God wants to say, hey, rest in me. Be still and know that I am God. God is trying to work in you, but you're stopping him from letting him work. You're not letting him pull out those weeds. We need to let God help us root out that anger in our life. And that's what God does here. right? Jonah's fleeing. Jonah's running. Jonah does not want help from God. He can handle it all by himself. He can handle this anger issue. He wants to be angry. He wants to be resentful. But God doesn't give up on Jonah. No, he's relentless in his love. And in the back end of chapter number four, God teaches Jonah the right way to deal with anger. And the coolest part is, man, he teaches him using the very thing that Jonah was mad about. He teaches him using the love of God. I just think that's so cool. That's what this series is about, man. The relentless love of God from chapter 1 to chapter 4. It's all about God's relentless love. And that's how God teaches Jonah to end this chapter. And we'll close with that today. I want to close by looking at three things to remember when things don't go your way. I got a little ahead of myself. Closing, I mean, with these three things. All right, we still got like 10 minutes left. Sorry. <laughs> three things to remember uh, when things don't go your way. All right, and it all boils down to love. All right, so when you're angry, when something isn't going your way, just like Jonah, the first thing we need to remember is this. We need to remember that God is good even when I am angry. Again, sometimes we, what's one of the ways we express anger? We're ashamed of ourselves. Oh, I'm angry about this situation. God can't bless me. God's not going to bless me now. That's not how God works. No, the Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance, right? God is good all the time, even when you're angry, even when you're cranky, even when you don't deserve it. And that's what we see in verse number six. Verse five, he flees. He runs. He wants nothing to do with God. Look at verse number six. Look at how God works. And the Lord God prepared a gourd or a vine, a tree, and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd or vine. So where's he at? Right, he's in the Middle East. 
Man, it is hot there. He's all alone at the edge of the city, right? He traveled three days to get to that part, mind you. It was not a, a quick journey. He traveled. He wanted to withdraw and get away. He's there all alone, all alone. The sun's beating down on him, and God out of mercy says, you know what? I'm going to take care of him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to grow a, a tree to shade over his head so he can be cool. What did God do there? God gave him AC. God gave him air conditioning to help him out, right? God, now, think about this now. Jonah just cursed him out. Jonah just complained to God. Jonah just said, hey, I hate that you're a God of love. Bashing the characteristics of God. Jonah threw a temper tantrum. And God's still blessing him. It's kind of like uh, the, the toddler that, that throws a tantrum and freaks out and, and pounds on the floor. And then the parent comes in and says, you want some ice cream? It's kind of what it is, right? That's what God is doing. You want to know something? God is a God who cares and loves and, and, and is good to us even when we don't deserve it. Just, just imagine that for a second. Now, can you imagine being in that situation and, and, and watching Jonah throw a fit and God blessing him in that way? It's crazy, but, but that's how our God works. He is a God of grace. He is a God of mercy, and he is a God of love. And, and our actions don't change that. Now, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I change not. I am still gracious, I am still merciful, I am still good, even if you don't deserve it. That's how our God works. And so let me say this today. You have no idea how many times God has made your life comfortable when you didn't deserve it. I can't wait till I get to heaven. I look at those times and, and see all of those times where, where I felt all alone, where, where God is there and taking care of me. Hey, God loves with an everlasting love, and God wants to bless you. That's the kind of God our God is. Psalm 52 and verse 1 says, The goodness of God endures continually. It does not end. All the time, we've got the goodness of God that we can rejoice in, even when we are angry. He loves you even when you're unlovable. He loves you where you are at. And that's great. But remember now, we're Christians. We need to love in that same way. Your spouse is angry. Love them. Your teens don't deserve mercy and grace. Love them. Love them even when they're angry. That's number one. That's the third, first thing that we need to remember. Then secondly today, we need to remember that God is in control of everything in my life. God is in control of everything in my life. Look at verse number seven. So verse six, he gives him AC, gives him that vine for an entire day. Man, he's just loving life, looking at the city, chilling, relaxing. Look at verse number seven, all right? But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. God gave him AC for a day. And he was like, all right, that's enough. Worm. Chew down that tree, you're going to lose it. Right? And, and look what happens a verse later. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. So after one day of sulking, God says, all right, it's time to, to take the tree down. Right? Jonah's sitting there, the sun beating down on him, and he says, it's better for me to die than to live. Again, the same thing, cursing God. Right? Understand this now. Verse 6 and verse 7, the Bible says God prepared. It wasn't a chance that that worm came and, and, and knocked down that tree or chewed out that tree. It was God. Right? God prepared the worm. God prepared the tree. God prepared the wind to beat down on Jonah. Right? It was all God. Now, why is God doing this? This sounds like a cruel God. I thought we were just talking about how God was love. 
Well, he's teaching Jonah something here. You see, God gave Jonah an object lesson with the tree and with the worm. He's teaching Jonah that he's in control of everything. And th throughout the book of Jonah, we see that to be true. We see the term prepared again and again and again. God prepared, God prepared, God prepared, God prepared. Just look all the times the Bible says that. The Bible says he prepared a great wind in Jonah 1.3. He prepared a great fish, Jonah 1.17. He prepared a gore, Jonah 4.6. A worm, verse 7. And a forceful east wind in verse number 8. From start to finish, what do we see? God prepared. God appointed. God was in control. He was in control of the big things in the story, the whale. He was in control of the small things in the story, the worm. You want to know something today? Plans in your life don't fail randomly. No, there is a purpose and a reason for everything in your life. Because what? God is a God of control. God is in control of everything. God is a sovereign God. That's why we can rejoice when we quote Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and to those that are the called according to his purpose. Understand this now. The things you think are disappointments in your life may be God's appointments in your life because God's in control. Your disappointments may be God's appointments. Maybe you're in church today because of some disappointments. You've had some disappointments in your life, and, and you know, hey, I need something. I don't know what I need, but I know I need something. And, and you're searching. You're trying to find it. Hey, maybe God allowed those disappointments to happen in your life to bring you to this appointment with him and God, with him and you. Hey, he wants a relationship with you. He has a perfect plan for your life. He wants to use you, and sometimes he uses disappointments. He's in control of everything. We can think about that today. Even when we are angry, he's good. And then number three, and I'm done. The last thing he taught Jonah is to focus on what will last. When things don't go our way, we need to focus on what will last. And, and that's what we see in verse 9. So verse 8, he says, wish to die, kill me now. Verse 9, and God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? So again, he says the same question. Remember, questions prick your conscience. Questions show people that you care. God still cares for Jonah, even after all of this, again. Right? And you want to know Jonah's response again? Man, this is crazy. All right, I'm trying to work quick. This is crazy. He said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Dude, that's what Jonah said to God. Man, I would have been fed up at this point. I would have said, man, Jonah, shut up. I really would. I would have gotten angry, because he's the worst. He really is. But, but what does God do? God continues on. God continues to care, and, and this is where God drives his point home. Let's look at the last two verses of this book. Verse 10, then the Lord said, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for which thou hast not labored, neither made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. So he's saying, you're, you're having compassion and pity for, for a plant that I prepared that was here one day and gone the next. You're crying about that? But then look what he says in verse 11. He says, And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, where are more than 120,000 people that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. Now, I do want to clarify today that 120,000 people, depending on uh, the commentator that you read, that could mean two different things. That could mean 120,000 people total that experienced revival, or that could refer to children because they don't know the right hand from their left hands. 
Uh, it's like 50-50 on what people think on that. But the fact of the matter is 120,000 people is what God is saying here. And he's saying, you don't have compassion on those 120,000 people, but you have compassion on a stupid vine. He's using it as an object lesson. God used Jonah's experience to, to provoke pity in the prophet. He, he used this object lesson. In effect, God said to Jonah, you had pity for one gourd, but not for 120,000 people. 120,000 people that will live eternity somewhere. Can I tell you today, the same thing goes for us. Jonah cared more about the temporal things than the eternal things. And we're the same way. You know, most of us fret and we worry and we get angry about circumstances that aren't even going to last this week, this month, this year, 10 years from now, let alone eternity. And we get so worked up about those things. It's just like that plant. Jonah freaking out on the plant. That's what we do, man. We're Jonah. You want to know something? The sad thing about that is we get angry about the smallest things. And we allow this anger to ruin relationships and destroy lives. That's what we do. I wonder today, how many marriages have been broken due to people getting angry about the temporal things in life? About the things that don't matter. Or how about this? How many church splits have there been due to people getting angry about the small things? What color carpet to use? Painting the outside of the building or the inside of the building. Church splits about that. Church splits about music. Come on. How many churches have there been that split because of those small temporal things that people got worked up about? This is the point God's trying to make. He's saying, hey, remember to focus on what lasts. Remember to focus on, on what matters. Remember to focus on what lasts forever. And you want to know something? There's only two things that last forever. The Bible makes this very clear. Two things that last forever. People and the word of God. That's it. The word of God abideth forever. The word of God stands forever. The word of God and people. We all have a soul and we will spend eternity somewhere. People last forever. The word of God lasts forever. That's it. The Bible says everything else is temporary. Everything else will deteriorate. Everything else will burn. Even heaven and the earth. The Bible says one day we're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. The only thing that lasts forever is people and God's word. Can I say it this way? The only thing that will last forever in your life is your relationship to God and your relationship with others. That's what matters most. So what are you getting worked up about? What are you getting angry about? Is it something temporal today? Is it something small? Who are you angry with? Somebody close to you that has a soul that you care about? Is there any unresolved anger in your life? Anger that you've pushed deep down. Anger that you're not ready to deal with yet. Hey, get it resolved. Let God resolve it. Let God root that problem out. You see, if there is, remember, God is good even when we're angry. God is in control of everything in my life. And remember to focus on what lasts. That's it. And, and one more thing to remember as I close officially. Remember, God is not going to let you hang on to that anger and resentment. God loves you too much to let you hang on to that anger and resentment. So what does he do? He brings you through the fire like he did with Jonah. He brings trials into your life like he did with Jonah in order to root out that anger. Hey, let him root it out. Don't fight it like Jonah did. Jonah fought it. He experienced all that. He didn't have to. Let him work in your life. Let him root it out. God wants you to experience a breakthrough today. And the last two words I say is let him. 
Let him do it.